Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. exciting day, man. You, you can go home and tell everybody you heard the audible ringtone of God this morning. He rang in during the middle of worship. Was that a bad joke? Uh, that was a bad joke. <laughs> of course. I'd say, bad jokes and dad jokes. That's all I got. That's all I've got. I'm sorry. Um, I don't have any sad jokes, just bad jokes and dad jokes. Couple things real quick. Uh, one, I, I have an exciting announcement to make. We are winding down our series in Ephesians. Next Sunday will be the final message from Ephesians after nine and a half months in, in Ephesians. I know you'd be excited about that. Yeah. And then, uh, as previously mentioned, Daphne said we are gearing up for Thanksgiving, our annual outreach. Um, This year, we are going to provide a complete uh, Thanksgiving dinner with a turkey or ham, it's your choice, uh, for 37 families. And we arrived at the number 37 because it's a prime number. And Emma Shea, who heads that little ministry up, is a math teacher. So a math teacher leads a ministry the number of families you serve is a prime number. That's just how it works. So 37, uh, I wanted to let you guys know, uh, we will have, I'll have next week for you, a list of items you can you can purchase and bring to help out. You can donate money as always. Um, what would be really helpful, it's $15 each for the certificates we buy for the turkeys or hams. And if anybody, if you want to just you know, give $15 a, a piece or whatever family that we can uh, pay for those. Over the past few years, we've actually had a, uh, what do you call a, an anonymous donor uh, that has helped us with all of the turkeys. But I I have a suspicion that's not going to happen this year. So we'll be looking to you guys at $15 a piece to supply turkeys for uh, 37 families. All right, Ephesians. Um, one of the uh, greatest movies of all time, The Princess Bride. Yes, there, there's the uh, the sword fighting scene, right? And the uh, the bad guy, Anigo Montoya, he says this line that he's been practicing, right? Everybody knows it. Well, he's kind in that moment. He is. Okay, I'm not, I wasn't going to do any spoilers. Hello? Come on, with me. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. All right. So um, after he says that, he and Wesley, handsome Wesley, 
Uh, is that okay to say, handsome Wesley? I mean, is Negan the Montana the bad guy? I don't know. No spoiler alerts. They go uh, sword fighting, and then uh, Wesley at one point swipes the sword out of Montoya's hand. It flies away. Uh, that's not the end, and I will not give you a spoiler alert. will not tell you. You have to watch the movie. Uh, has anybody never seen it? Brogan's never seen it? Oh, you have to watch it. If you haven't seen it in 10 years, you should watch it again anyway. Um, he flicks the sword out of his hand, uh, and uh, they're able to continue. But my point is simply that that's one of the ways that the enemy can nullify the sword of the Spirit in our lives, uh, is just to kind of take it away from us, to remove it from our hand and remove it from our possession uh, you know, I, I've known people who have had a Bible in their, in their, uh, they own one, maybe on their nightstand or carry it with them, but they don't really use it. And if you don't use it, if you don't employ it, don't put it to work, it doesn't do you a lot of good. And the enemy has really won that battle there, uh, by, by taking it away from you. The other way that the enemy takes Scripture away from us, takes the the Word of God away from us, which is really, I I think, probably more effective today. Seems to be fairly prominent in whatever you call this, the postmodern culture that we live in. Um, and, And that is to discredit the Word of God. To get, to get you to believe, well, it's, it's really just another book. There's some good stuff in there. There's a lot of, it's, there's wisdom. There's good ideas. There's certainly some things I can apply to my life. Uh, but it's not really the word of God. It's really just a good, a, a good, wise book of, of teachings uh, by a guy that might or might not have lived a long time ago. So um, we're going to look at the second half of verse 17 today. Our title this morning is The Sword of the Spirit. And uh, the text is short. It's a half a verse, one, not even a full sentence. But let's pray and then we'll, we'll dig into uh, verse 17. Thanks, Lord, for... Uh, I thank you for worship this morning. It really was just a blessing. I just sensed your presence with us today, Lord. And uh, thank you for our time to be together. Thank you for your word this morning. Pray you that you would anoint it and open it up to just really uh, touch our hearts and, and allow us to to walk in your goodness and your grace and all that you have for us today and throughout this week. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Second part of verse 17. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul is wrapping up his... Uh, list of the components of the armor that we wear to engage in spiritual warfare. And the final uh, component there is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. First thing I think is important to remember, at least for me, for, for a lot of people, in you know, there's a lot of different perspectives across the, the church today, but the, the Word of God is not the Spirit. They're not the same. It's empowered by the Spirit. It's fueled and fed by the Spirit. Um, the Spirit 
breathing life into the Word of God is what separates it, distinguishes it from other books, and gives it the ability to make a difference in our life. But that said, it's, it's not the Spirit in and of ourself. Our, our context in this passage, and really the whole latter part of Ephesians, is spiritual warfare. Um, and again, sometimes spiritual warfare, we sort of put it out there in that realm. It's sort of this uh, tearing down strongholds and kind of this, you know, uh, this present darkness kind of reality. But the truth is, for most of us, spiritual warfare happens right here. Spiritual warfare happens in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and in our day-to-day existence. Um, I think today, you know, everybody's different. We struggle with different things, different hardships. There seems to be, uh, I, I think, culturally, the last especially a couple of years, a lot of disillusionment in people's lives right now. Uh, fear of the future, what's going to happen next. Another thing that seems to be prominent today, I've, I've read a lot lately about the whole culture of comparison. Um, you know, looking at other people and especially through social media, you know, I'm not as, I'm not as cute. I'm not as smart. I'm not as rich as that person. And so I don't add up. Uh, spiritual warfare is all of that. It's all of the above. It's all of those things. Spiritual warfare is, is a culture of compromise. It's saying, my, my convictions tell me this, but society says this, so I'll just move a little bit that way. All, all of that is part of it. We've talked about each component about being offensive or defensive, and in my estimation, the sort of the spirit is both. It's offensive and defensive. Uh, I, 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 I would say this, the Word of God speaks to every possible dynamic of the human condition. Anything and everything that any one of us might possibly encounter, uh, it speaks to that. I think it's, it's one of the most, if not the most powerful weapon we have in terms of combating that spiritual warfare that takes place in our own lives. Um, I want to say this, though. When we talk, talk about the Bible, the Word of God, it's challenging because it's been maligned a lot in recent history, especially, mostly because of misuse. I think it, it gets maligned not on its own credit, but on what people have done with it. And, and I would say this, it's not a weapon that you whack people over the head with. Um, We don't quote Bible bullets to prove how wrong somebody else is and how right we are. Long, long ago, (laughs) uh, in 1987, Donna and I were part of a team, vineyard ministry team that traveled to a little place called Inverness, Scotland. Inverness is in the very northern part of Scotland. It's actually where Loch Ness is, where the Loch Ness Monster is. We went and saw Nessie. It was quite an event. I do. Um, They're a little blurry. 
we, we, there, the, we visited a church there. It was a Pentecostal church um, that had a female pastor, which is unique in that part of the world, especially at that time. It's very conservative kind of religious culture. So even the fact that they had a, a female pastor was unique. But this particular gal was very proud of the fact that she was a female pastor in the midst of a culture that would not necessarily in fully endorse that. Um, one of her disciples, uh, a young man named Dex, Dex was a recovered drug addict. He looked like, when you saw Dex, you probably might think he's not a recovered drug addict. Uh, he was, but he still kind of had that rough around the edges sort of appearance to him. Uh, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of tattoos that were, he didn't, they were not super artistic, just they weren't done in a very, you know what I mean? They're kind of, I think what you would call like prison tats sort of thing. He's missing a few teeth, just really a, a rough kind of character. But he had given his life to the Lord under this gal's ministry and uh, was sort of, he was sort of her uh, poster child for her ministry. I think the point was, if I can save this guy, I can save anybody. So the point of all that is I, I just remember we were getting ready to go to service at their, their church. The pastor's name was Sheila. And Dex says, yeah, we're going to go today. Machine gun Sheila. Pow! She's going to shoot him down. And I was like, whoa, where are, is this Goodfellas? What's happening here? But that was their perspective. Machine Gun Sheila had the word, and she was going to cut him down with it. Um, I was like, you know, just click my heels three times. I want to go home. We're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, it, was a, it was a bizarre experience. But there was a mindset behind that that I think is sometimes perpetuated, maybe not quite so obviously and out outwardly, but the idea that we use Scripture to really uh, diminish and cut down other people. I want to take a look this morning at how the Word of God, as it's infused by the Holy Spirit, can do the exact opposite of that. How it can impact our lives and bring healing and health and wholeness and connection and reconciliation and things that God has in his heart for us. So in that, let's go back to the beginning. If we could start with uh, Genesis. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God uh, spoke all things into being. Uh, it's what theologians call being ontologically productive. The idea that God's ab ability uh, to speak things into reality. Um, there's, there's an actual creative dynamic to the Word of God. Uh, God says it, and it's done. I think we should distinguish, I want to make a distinction at least, um, that sometimes that idea that God can speak things into being is sort of transferred over into the lives of people. And, and we, we believe as followers of God, we then have the ability to speak things into being. It's sort of where kind of the name it and claim it sort of perspective comes from in the church. And I would say that that's inaccurate. And I would point out the obvious reason for that here, and that is that we're not God. 
We have the ability to speak in his name and to bring forth uh, his heart and desire, but we're, we're different than him. God is, again, what, we, what theologians call ontologically productive. He speaks things actually into being. Go ahead and go to the next text for me, Naomi. Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Uh, he speaks and spoke all things into being. And it's amazing to me. I, I think probably we've all had that experience at some point or another, uh, typically not here in the city, but if you're out, you know, camping or uh, out away, you know, in, in, from the, the light pollution or whatever you call it, and you can see the stars in the sky at night, it's pretty amazing. And you have that experience where you just go, oh my gosh, that's all the hand of God. Um, I had that a couple of weeks ago. Did you guys see the harvest moon? Do you remember that? Just a couple of weeks ago, it was a, the moon was huge and it, it looked like it was like 20 feet away. It was so close and orange and bright. It was just beautiful. And I remember walking out on our deck and looking at them, seeing that and going, oh my gosh, God, that is so amazing. This, the, cre- the creation around us that you have uh, brought forth by your word for us. It was pretty, pretty powerful. I, I love that sort of uh, feeling of how big God is and how broad his word is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's profound, really, to think that God spoke all things into being. Go ahead and go to uh, the next text. Psalm 147, he sends his command to the earth. His words run swift. His word runs swiftly. I love this. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? I wish I would have uh, come across this verse back in January when we were having that ice storm. You remember that? We were standing on our deck and ice everywhere and trees were just cracking and breaking. I thought, I wish I would have thought, Oh God, this is you. I was more frightened at that moment, but I would have liked to have that perspective. Um, Not only weather and, and, uh, you know, kind of nature, but the reality is that God speaks all things into being and propels history forward. Everything that happens in the course of our lives happens in him and with him and through him, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, God is aware. He's involved. He's not absentee. He's directly hands-on in what's happening in the course of our lives day in and day out. And I think that we can draw confidence from that, even when we're going through challenging stuff, to realize that as tough as this might be right now, I I can be confident that God's with me in the midst of it. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He not only created all things by his word, but by his word, he sustains all things. Um, God holds up existence around us. And to me, this is another reason that the Bible shouldn't be weaponized. It's, it's, it's not a weapon, and the Word of God is not a weapon, and Jesus didn't use His Word as a weapon to diminish other people or discredit other people or defeat other people. We don't, we don't win by being right. Uh, we win by being in Him. And He holds it all up. He sustains all things. Um, we think of sustainability primarily in terms of the environment today. But I was struck this week 
by the sustainability of life, the sustainability of relationships, the sustainability of our connection to one another is really held up by God. Uh, and I, I was really just struck that uh, that, as well as each of our individual personal value and worth, who I am in Christ and who I am connected to you is all sustained and held up by him every day. And it really, uh, it just gave me a sense of um, gratitude, a thankfulness towards God for the reality that he's in the midst of who we are and what we do. Go ahead, one more for me. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Um, the same voice that said, let there be light, speaks into your heart. And it brings light into your life. Uh, and, and who you are, your, your value and your worth is in that. In, in that God gives you life. It's not in anything you do uh, or any of your accomplishments, or what anybody says about you. And I, again, was struck by that. Uh, I think that's so important for us to, to be reminded of, that my, my value, my worth is tied into who I am in Christ as a child of God. It's not tied into anything that I've accomplished in my life or failed to accomplish in my life. The, the sword of the Spirit can, can help us to fight back against the tidal wave of messages that we receive. Again, from, I think, today, it's, it's uh, so much greater and bigger than it has been historically through social media. Uh, the, the message that says that you're not enough. You're just not enough. You're not you're you're not cute enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not rich enough. Um, you can't you can't possibly be as beautiful or as cool as this person who has a team of people photoshopping every image of them so that they look perfect. Maybe they don't look human, but they look perfect. And you can't possibly keep up with that. James chapter one. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The word first fruits it comes from the Old Testament and it doesn't necessarily denote just simply first in order, first in line. It also denotes best. So the Israelites would bring a sacrifice to the Lord and they would bring the first fruits. So the first fruits was not just the, the beginning of the harvest, but it was the very best of the harvest. And, and God says that you're the first fruits. You're the, you are, I am, we are the best thing he created. The very best thing that God made. Um, it shatters the whole idea of comparison. It doesn't matter what I am in comparison to anyone else. What I am is a precious child of God. That's the very best thing he ever made. And that same thing is true of me and, and you. First Thessalonians. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So that same word is at work in us. 
continually. It's ongoing. It's not a one and done. We, it's not like we get saved and we commit our life to Christ. And then he says, okay, now you're on your own. Hope it all works out okay. God is at work in us all the time. He's continuing to be working in and through our lives. And I think that's reassuring when we come to that place of feeling a little bit like I'm not progressing. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not, my life isn't what I hope for it to be. I still have things that I'm not happy about, that I'm not proud of, that I'd like to get rid of. Well, we can be confident that no, we're not stuck. We're not going to be here forever. God's continuing to work. He's not done. And our progression moves forward in him all the time. He's not done with us, not even close to being done with us. Go one more. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Uh, The Word of God dwells among you, plural, richly. He's, He's working in me and working at you at the same time. And He not only heals me or heals you, He heals us. And the Word of God brings reconciliation. It brings uh, connection to the division that we feel so much. I was talking to somebody this week. I don't remember a time, you know, I was a kid in the 60s, and I don't remember a time as polarized or divided culturally uh, since the 60s as now, the last couple years. And the beauty of, of who God is in us is that he begins to break down those walls. And my prayer for us as a people, not only just together, but independently as we go out from here is that God will work in our lives in a way to break down those walls around us so that we make connection with others. And we, we don't sow division, but we sow uh, connection. We sow unity. Um, we look not to the things that divide us, but the things that draw us together, which are frankly much deeper. I mean, political ideologies might divide us, but being created in Christ connects us. And that's a little bit of a deeper reality. One more. I write to you young people because you're strong and the word of God lives in you. I think that's old people too. (laughs) Not as strong, but we're still strong. And the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. I, I have those old guy moments where I, I think to myself, I can do this. And I try to do something I did 20 years ago. And my body says, nah, nah, that's not going to happen. But we are strong. We overcome the evil one. One last verse from Isaiah 55. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower, bread for the eater. Keep going. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The word of God will not return empty. It accomplishes its purpose in us. That purpose includes joy and peace and a song in our hearts. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, really is active and working in us if we allow it to be. And my encouragement to us today is not to allow 
what people have done with it to diminish its value, but to really allow it to soak into our hearts and lives and our spirits and our minds and bring transformation. It can be defensive, a defensive weapon against the enemy, and that it, it really will protect us from the lies and distortions that the enemy will bring towards us and barrage us again that come from every direction. It's also offensive in that it reveals our true identity and who we really are in him and helps us to walk in that and not in what all that other stuff says. Uh, so let's stand together, and I want to just pray for you guys this morning as we go. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.